Welcome to Reading the One-Year Bible Together, a daily podcast that runs Monday through Saturday. My name is Bryce Tomlinson, and I'll be joined by Sherry Atanasal, and on occasion, my lovely wife, Julie. If you don't have a One-Year Bible, you can get a reading plan at oneyearbibleonline.com. There's a link in the description of this video on Facebook, and as well as the show notes of our podcast. This podcast is recorded from Jitsi, where we do our live streams daily. Details can be found in the show notes as well as on our Facebook page. You're welcome to read out of whichever version of the Bible that you like best. We just happen to use the World English Bible because it's public domain. And as such, this podcast and its corresponding live stream are also public domain. You're welcome to download them and re-upload them anywhere that you see fit, anywhere that you think that the Word of God is needed. We feel like that's pretty much everywhere, so you should totally do that. And even if you can't, you can still hit that share button, share this on your timeline, share this on your Facebook, your Twitter feed, your TikTok, or wherever you think that people ought to be getting into the Bible. In the show notes, you'll find links to PayPal and Patreon, where you can show your support and contribute to the improving of our audio quality and the audio gear that we use to record these podcasts and live streams. Thanks for joining us, and here we go. Today is July 15th, and that means it is day 196 of the one-year Bible. Day 196 is going to start us out in 1 Chronicles chapter 19. So if you want to get turned there, Sherry, would you like to pray for us this morning? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time together. Thank you that we get to all read this again today after me being gone at VBS for a week. Thank you for your blessings, Lord, in, in VBS and in this reading and everything, Lord God. I just give you praise and glory. As we get into your word today, I pray that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, and that we would understand more about you and what you have for our lives. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And welcome back, Sherry and Julie as well. Julie's here. Thank you. All right. We're going to start in First Chronicles chapter 19, starting in verse 1. After this, Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, died, and his son reigned in his place. David said, I will show kindness to Hanun, the son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So David sent messengers to comfort him concerning his father. David's servant came into the land of the children of Ammon to Hanun to comfort him. But the princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanun, Do you think that David honors your father in that he has sent comforters to you? Haven't his servants come to you to search, to overthrow, and to spy out the land? So Hanun took David's servants, shaved them, and cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks, and sent them away. Then some people went and told David how the men were treated. He sent to meet them, for the men were greatly humiliated. The king said, Stay at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. When the children of Ammon saw that they had made themselves odious to David, Hanun and the children of Ammon sent one thousand talents of silver to hire chariots and horsemen out of Mesopotamia, out of Aramaakah, and out of Zobah. So they hired for themselves thirty-two thousand chariots and the king of Maakah with his people who came and encamped near Medeba. The children of Ammon gathered themselves together from their cities and came to battle. When David heard of it, he sent Joab with all the army of the mighty men. The children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the gate of the city. And the kings who had come were by themselves in the 
field. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him before and behind, he chose some of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. The rest of the people he committed into the hand of Abishai, his brother, and they put themselves in array against the children of Ammon. He said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you are to help me. But if the children of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will help you. Be courageous, and let's be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. May Yahweh do that which seems good to him. So Joab and the people who were with him came near to the front of the Syrians to the battle, and they fled before him. When the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians had fled, they likewise fled before Abishai his brother, and entered into the city. Then Joab came to Jerusalem. When the Syrians saw that they were defeated by Israel, they sent messengers and called out the Syrians who were beyond the river, with Shophak, the captain of the army of Hadadezer, leading them. David was told that, so he gathered all Israel together, passed over the Jordan, came to them, and set the battle in array against them. So when David had put the battle in array against the Syrians, they fought with him. The Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed of the Syrian men seven thousand charioteers and forty thousand footmen, and also killed Shophak, the captain of the army. When the servants of Hadadezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with David and served him. The Syrians would not help the children of Ammon any more. And next we are continuing in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1. At the time of the return of the year, at the time when the kings go out, Joab led out the army and wasted the country of the children of Ammon, and came and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Joab struck Rabbah and overthrew it. David took the crown of their king from his head and found it to weigh a talent of gold, and there were precious stones in it. It was set on David's head, and he brought very much plunder out of the city. He brought out the people who were in it and had them cut with saws, with iron picks, and with axes. David did so to all the cities of the children of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. After this, war arose at Gezer with the Philistines. Then Sibachah, the Hushethite, killed Sippah of the sons of the giant, and they were subdued. Again there was war with the Philistines, and Elhanan, the son of Jair, killed Lami, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. There was again war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had twenty-four fingers and toes, six on each hand and six on each foot. And he also was born to the giant. When he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, killed him. These were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Next, we are continuing in First Chronicles chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to take a census of Israel. David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, Go, count Israel from Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring me word, that I may know how many there are. Joab said, May Yahweh make his people a hundred times as many as they are. But, my lord the king, aren't they all my lord's servants? Why does my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of guilt to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed 
rebelled against Joab. Therefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel, then came to Jerusalem. Joab gave the sum of the census of the people to David. All those of Israel were one million one hundred thousand men who drew a sword, and in Judah were four hundred seventy thousand men who drew a sword. But he didn't count Levi and Benjamin among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. God was displeased with this thing, therefore he struck Israel. David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing. But now put away, I beg you, the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Yahweh spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and speak to David, saying, Yahweh says, I offer you three things. Choose one of them that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Yahweh says, Take your choice, either three years of famine or three months to be consumed before your foes, while the sword of your enemies overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of Yahweh, even pestilence in the land, and Yahweh's angel destroying throughout all the borders of Israel. Now therefore consider what answer I shall return to him who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in distress. Let me fall, I pray, into Yahweh's hand, for his mercies are very great. Don't let me fall into man's hand. So Yahweh sent a pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. As he was about to destroy, Yahweh saw, and he relented of the disaster and said to the destroying angel, It is enough. Now withdraw your hand. Yahweh's angel was standing by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. David lifted up his eyes and saw Yahweh's angel standing between earth and the sky, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. David said to God, Isn't it I who commanded the people to be counted? Is it even I who have sinned and done very wickedly? But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Yahweh my God, be against me and against my father's house, but not against your people, that they should be plagued. Then Yahweh's angel commanded Gad to tell David that David should go up and raise an altar to Yahweh on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spoke in Yahweh's name. Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. As David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Sell me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar to Yahweh on it. You shall sell it to me for the full price that the plague may be stopped from afflicting the people. Ornan said to David, Take it for yourself and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Behold, I give the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing instruments for wood and the wheat for the meal offering. I give it all. King David said to Ornan, no, but I will most certainly buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is yours for Yahweh, nor offer a burnt offering that cost me nothing. So David gave to Ornan six hundred shekels of gold by weight for the place. David built an altar to Yahweh there, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and called on Yahweh, and he answered him from the sky by fire on the altar of burnt offering. Then Yahweh commanded the angel, and he put his sword back into its sheath. At that time, when David saw that Yahweh had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For Yahweh's tabernacle, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offering, were at that time in the high place at Gibeon. 
But David couldn't go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid because of the sword of Yahweh's angel. And now we are going into the New Testament. We are in Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 25. For circumcision indeed profits if you are a doer of the law, but if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. If therefore the uncircumcised keep the ordinances of the law, won't his uncircumcision be accounted as circumcision? Won't those who are physically uncircumcised but fulfill the law judge you who with the letter and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And now we continue in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Then what advantage does the Jew have, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, because first of all, they were entrusted with the revelations of God. But what if some were without faith? Will their lack of faith nullify the faithfulness of God? May it never be. Yes, let God be found true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you might be justified in your words and might prevail when you come into judgment. But if our unrighteousness commends the righteousness of God, what will we say? Is God unrighteous who inflicts wrath? I speak like men do. May it never be. For then, how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God through my lie abounded to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? Why not, as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let's do evil that good may come? Those who say so are justly condemned. Next, we are going back into the Old Testament. We are in Psalm 11, starting in verse 1. In Yahweh, I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows on the strings, that they may shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Yahweh is in his holy temple. Yahweh is on his throne in heaven. His eyes observe. His eyes examine the children of men. Yahweh examines the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and him who loves violence. On the wicked he will rain blazing coals, fire, sulfur, and scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For Yahweh is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright shall see his face. Lastly, we are finishing with Proverbs chapter 19, verses 10 through 12. Delicate living is not appropriate for a fool, much less for a servant to have rule over princes. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. It is his glory to overlook an offense. The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for this time together. And I just pray, Lord, that as your word goes out, you would be glorified and lives would be changed for your honor, Lord, not our own. Lord, I'd like to lift up those that are sick and struggling with illnesses and cancers. I lift up my mom. I pray that her eye surgery went well yesterday, Lord God, and she makes it home safely today. I pray for a healing of the cancer in her body, Lord God. And I also pray that for Calvin and for Richard and um, all of those who are struggling, Lord God, with this illness that's just so hard to beat in so many cases. I also pray for a healing of their bodies, Lord, from the treatments that they receive, that they would be made whole for your kingdom and for your glory. 
And for those with heart issues, Lord God, I pray for Ralph and George. I pray for Bryce. Lord, I pray for Sue and for Stephanie, that their hearts would be healed, that they would be made right, that they would beat correctly, that they would push the right amount of blood in and out as they were designed to do by you, Lord God, and that any residual organs, other organs that are damaged, things that are, have gone wrong, Lord, because of treatments, Lord, that that would also be healed. And I just pray, Lord, as we go through this, we know that your will is always best, and what we desire is not always what is best, because we don't know. Our minds are finite. You are infinite, God. Help us to trust that whatever happens with these people that we've prayed for and care about, Lord, that we be content in your will being done, regardless of what we think. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are a sovereign God who loves us very much. Father, I lift up those who have had strokes. Lord, I pray for Bryce's mom, his sister. Lord, I pray for, thank you that Rob and Chris are doing well, Lord. And I pray for Rudy, that you would restore what has been damaged, that you would make new pathways, that you would allow them, Lord, to be able to function fully again, Lord. I lift up those who have are dealing with broken bones. Lord, I pray you would continue to heal my finger. I pray for Loretta. I pray for Bryce's dad and all of those who are who are struggling to learn to reuse something that's been broken. Lord, it takes a long time. And I just pray for a complete and total healing of that part and all of the muscles and the tendons and the tissue around that part that's been broken around that bone, Lord, and that you would make it whole. Lord, I would like to lift up the couples we've been praying for, Lord, and I just pray you would do a work, that you would work a miracle not just in those that we know by name, but in those that we see on a regular basis that don't speak of the problems that they have at home, Lord, and there are a lot of them. Um, And I just pray, Lord, for restoration. I pray for healing. I pray for your miracles to pour out upon these couples, Lord, as they struggle in many, many ways in their marriage, Lord God. I pray that you would help each and every one of them to just lay their own desires and will down at your feet, Lord God, and pick up your cross, Lord, which is light and easy to carry. I pray that they would see their spouse as you see them, Lord God, that you would just give them glimpses of of who that person is, Lord, in a way to honor you, Lord, and not be selfish. And it's hard. So I do pray for miracles. I pray for restoration. I pray for wholeness. And for those that have moved on, Lord, I just pray for wisdom. I pray that they would not rush into new relationships, Lord, and I pray that they would come to know you if they do not. Father, I want to lift our kids up to you, our youth, our teens, our little ones. Lord, the world is so full of evil, and it is getting worse every day, and it is in your face. And these kids at this vulnerable age, Lord, from little ones all the way up to young adults, are just buying the lies and and just eating it up, Lord, that the stuff that Satan's putting into the world, Lord, to deceive them and pull them away from you. I just pray, Lord God, that you would work a mighty work in these kids and this generation, that you would turn their hearts back to you, that you would turn their hearts back to their mothers and fathers, Lord, that you would restore what the locusts have eaten, Lord God, and that you would make things new in you again, Lord God, that they would choose you, pursue you, and love you, Lord God, and reject the lies. And I just thank you, Lord, that those that you have chosen, that you have called eventually, Lord, your word does not return void. And we thank you for that, that they will one day look upon you as their Lord and their King again. Lord, I just want to pray for our first responders. Thank you for each and every one of them, those that are out there every day dealing with people who do dumb things and criminals with evil intent and people who make mistakes and people who need help. Lord God, I pray you would bless them. I pray you would strengthen them. 
pray that you would give them wisdom. Lord, tell them with your own, in their hearts when to stop, when to go, when to pause, when to listen, when to speak, and give them just encouragement to deal with the weird stuff out there every single day. And Father, I thank you for your teachers, your preachers, your evangelists that are out there spreading your word and speaking your truth. I pray that you would embolden them, encourage them, give them wisdom, Lord, and that they would reach more people, more lost sheep for your kingdom and your glory. Finally, Lord God, I lift up Israel when I just pray. I just ask you, Lord, that your chosen people would bow their knee to your son Jesus now, Lord, before it's too late and they're forced to do it later when it is too late. I just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Every time I read this about Nahash's son, Hanun, and David sends these messengers to comfort him, and Hanun has all these suspicious princes of the children of Ammon giving some really bad advice. And that was humiliating for these this people group. They Their beards were important. Their modesty was important. Yep. So how David paid them back is uh, pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. Cut them to pieces of all sorts of instruments of destruction. That's brutal. Yeah, that was some uh, Vlad the Impaler stuff. Mm-hmm. So this crown, I just looked at the notes that David took, weighed about 66 pounds. Wow. Yep. The talent is about 30 kilograms or 66 pounds or 965 troy ounces. And that doesn't include the stones either. Right. That's just the gold. And you think the king of Egypt had a stiff neck. (laughs) No kidding. How could you hold that up? You'd have to like practice from when you were young or something. Yep. And David took the crown of their king from off his head, which means Mm -hmm. David's not the only guy who can carry around 66 pounds of crown on his head. He took it off somebody else's head. Uh (laughs) It was set on David's head. I wonder if he was expecting that weight. He's like, yeah, sure. This is probably going to be poly resin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fabricated gold. I also find it interesting how the giants just keep popping up here and there. You think they're all wiped out and then poof, there's another one being talked about. Yep. Yeah, um, I think it was Pastor Doug that first told me that the theory is that David carried five stones, one for Goliath and four for his brothers, just in case his brothers decided they wanted to throw down in that moment. Uh-huh. Yep. You imagine how intimidating this dude is that's got six fingers and six toes on each hand and foot. This yeah, how much bigger it would have to be to have six. Crazy looking mutant fool. Yeah. <laughs> I find this interesting. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1, Satan stood mm-hmm. up against Israel and moved David to take a census of Israel. Which means mm-hmm. David, a man after God's own heart, can be moved personally by Satan. Right. So if he can, right. we all can. Yep. I mean, goes it's the same theory with uh, Job. You know, Job was God's man too, and he and he allowed Satan to do anything to him, but take his life. So you know, David's a man after God's own heart. God allows Satan to do certain tests so that he can prove his glory over him. You know. Yep. Well, David failed this test. Oh, yes. He got a big old F. (laughs) And he knows he doesn't. Joab, Job's like pleading with him. He's like, dude, no, no. Bad idea. If any of you are are new to this, God previously stated to Abraham and to um, Isaac and to Jacob and even Ishmael that your your offspring will not be able to be numbered. right? Right. 
They'll be like the sand on the seas. They'll they'll be like the stars Star in the universe. The you, you will not right. be able to count them all. And here's David. Uh, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. Hold my grog. Yeah. Hold, hold my grog. Yeah. <laughs> and then even even Joab, though, he's like, I, I, I did what you wanted me to, King. Almost. I still didn't do it. I didn't count Levi and those. Other than number the number the Levites, the priest. <laughs> He's like, nope, nope, not doing it. I'm drawing a line here. I'm obeying you, but I am not going to cross this line. Yep. But I do love how Yahweh God gives David a choice. You're the one that screwed up. You admitted you screwed up. So here, A, B, or C, and you may not choose D, none of the above. It has to be one of these three. All right. It's like so your grandma was even- says, go get your switch. Yeah, go get a switch off the tree. <laughs> you go pick your switch. <laughs> yeah, there's no makeup test. Mm-hmm. And for him to choose knowing people are going to die because of what he did, that would be really hard to deal with. And yet he, he chose, he goes, I know my Lord is merciful and has grace. I choose whatever his hand says. Don't yeah. let me fall into the man of hand, the hands of man, because man right. is pure. Around you. But then David is pleading, he's pleading with Yahweh because mm-hmm. David sees all these innocent people being killed. Mm-hmm. And David's like, who did this? I did this. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that did this. But these people did nothing. Please just relent. Please put put yeah. your hand on me, but leave these ones alone, you know? Well, yeah. David's not evil. He's just like the rest of us, sometimes stupid. He's human. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> that was something I did at VBS more than once this week with the kids. I said, raise your hand if you've ever lied. And mm-hmm. most hands go up, but not all. And I said, now, if you didn't raise your hand, you just lied. So you can raise your hand and join everybody else because everybody's lied. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Which always got a, a laugh out of the older kids and the teachers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. It is true. It's like I, I heard a comedian say, Who in here loves bacon? And all these people raise their hand. And then he says, You vegans, I know you're you love you love bacon, but you're too weak to raise your arm. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. What's what's funny is the vegans laughed. Right. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's even it's, better. It's funny. Because it's funny. It, to a comedy it is funny. You didn't go to not laugh. <laughs> well, some people probably do. So I'm just going to say this. Uh, Paul, flowchart. Yes. Andy, uh, uh, maybe not an illustrated flowchart in this particular. No, no, but, no uh, definitely not. Flowchart would be helpful <laughs> to determine. I don't know. It's it, this is one of the less cryptic things that he's saying, but uh-huh. but all of this could have been said. This part of Romans two we read in probably three sentences, right? Paul is very wordy, very brilliant. I wonder how AI would rewrite this. <laughs> I don't know. I had AI rewrite a bunch of stuff this week, and um, uh huh. It's it's. So, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just like funny curiosity like i wonder how it's it's artificial intelligence would interpret that how if you tell it that you want to rewrite something in a shorter form sometimes it just cuts Mm -hmm. out everything of substance period (laughs) (laughs) and it says i went with the most important points and it's like three sentences about four words long and it says everything that you said just way less eloquently and uh, 
Sometimes it can sometimes it can be really helpful and other times not so much. <laughs> Fortunately, it usually gives you several drafts to look at. Uh, oh, good. In, in many of the cases, I was trying to take a video script and cut it down to 30 seconds and uh, mm-hmm. cutting it down to 30 seconds. I don't know who they thought was talking for 30 seconds, but it, just being like three sentences that are four words long, it was not. Yeah, it wasn't helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be. AI is AI is there, but it's not all the way there. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it is definitely getting better. And uh, that example that I had yesterday of asking an AI about something about the Bible, it it gave a pretty solid answer. <laughs> I was kind of impressed with that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many sermons this year. I, that just made me think right away. How many sermons this year are going to be written by AI? Oh, that's actually a very serious question. Probably a ton of them. Yeah. Probably a ton of them. And people will say, it's the word of God. Or is it? Yeah. Or is it? Is your pastor inspired or just really good with Bard? <laughs> yes. Stop and think about that. I'm, I'm glad that that Paul writes this this way. Mm-hmm. Paul would be an amazing rapper. He would. He would be an amazing Christian rapper because he comes up with these wordy ways to say a thing where he says the same words over and over again, like we were just reading yesterday, that you know, the, the Gentiles are doing the law because the law is on their heart. Those that don't know the law, they haven't heard the law, but they're doing the law and showing the law and glorifying the law while you... Who obey the law to the letter, or say you obey the law to the letter, criticize the Gentiles for not being of the law, but they obey the law better than you obey the law. Mm-hmm. Was that just a rap? No, but I'm just saying Paul would be a great <laughs> rapper. He would be able to pull these yarns out of his head. Yeah, I think so. Hilariously, if he did rap, it might be easier to understand. <laughs> Also true. I, I say that because there's a there's a rapper. His name is Syntax, and I've mm-hmm. never heard him on the radio. But he's he's on uh, Christian hip hop, and okay, he's really good. And he talks like this, and it's it's very interesting. I mean, he's not Paul, but but he kind of talks like this. He's kind of like a like a uh, a Christian version of Eminem. Um, oh, okay. And really, really smart, smart raps. Give it time; they'll come out with a rapper's Bible. I bet you people memorize scripture then. Yep, <laughs> that's a rough quote. Let's do evil that good may come. I have to say, this part is pretty deep for me. I'm, I, I have a hard hard time getting it. One thing I really get is is just a reminder that the Jews were entrusted with the revelations of God. Like this people group mm-hmm. is who God revealed himself to yep. and let himself be known. Yeah, it's through them that he testified about himself to others. Mm-hmm. So whenever you read about these other nations... When they encounter the Jews, they say, we've heard about what your God has done for you and what he did to these guys and what he did to those guys. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you look at what happened at Jericho. uh, Those people were terrified because they knew what God had done for them with the Egyptians and with all the other Mm -hmm. nations that they had already conquered coming up to that point. So Psalm 11 there's um you'll often hear christians uh, especially more charismatic christians uh say 
God is on the throne, right? Whenever there's any situation that may be some kind of adversity for you or for them or for for anybody, they they will just say right off the cuff, God is on the throne. Mm-hmm. God is on the throne. Well, this is where that comes from. And, yep. uh, Yahweh is in his holy temple. Yahweh is on his throne in heaven. His eyes observe. So and whatever you're facing, whatever it is that you're going through, and I really hate to hear people say, God will never give you more than you can take because... Uh, that's, that's a not lie. biblical. That's a lie. That's it's not, not in the biblical. Bible ever. <laughs> if you look in the Bible, there's example after example after example of God giving you more than you can take so that he can demonstrate mm-hmm. how awesome he is when he does what yep. he does. Allow him to show off because God will give you more than you can handle so that Always. you turn to him. Yes. And if you think that you can handle it, mm-hmm. God will take everything away from you just so that you will acknowledge him and his power and his might and ask him to deliver you from whatever it is that you're going through that you can't handle because God gave it to you. Yep. That's right. Exactly. He will put you in a situation where you can't handle it so that you will call out to him. And then, you know what? He still will deliver you, even though you're an arrogant fool. Mm -hmm. Yep. It is true. He's saying that even though you look at everything the way that you look at it, God is still on the throne. He's in his holy temple and he is watching and he sees. He sees everything. And he's going to deal with it however he deals with it. And as soon as mm-hmm. um, as soon as we decide that we're in the driver's seat, we take God off of his throne, right, yeah. figuratively in our, in our eyes. And um, now we're acting outside of God's will. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a skit guy skit called The Chair, and it's a great skit. And a lot of, uh, a lot of churches have done the skit have played this skit out. It's called The Chair. And it's basically someone surrenders their life to Jesus. And what do you do next? You know, you surrender your life to Jesus. You surrender, you surrender your throne to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the person mm-hmm. off the chair and Jesus takes the chair and Jesus is just getting comfy. And this person comes back and says, hey, uh, I, I, I need this chair back because I got to go do this thing. And he's like, uh, oh, oh, okay. And he steps back. And, uh, mm-hmm. and over the course of the, of the skit, the, the interaction becomes more confrontational to where Jesus is on the throne and the person is climbing on his back and pounding on him to try to get him to do the things that they want to do. But mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is like, I'm either on the throne or I'm not. Right. Yep. Heard truths of our humanity. Exactly. I mean, that's just like when we ask God for forgiveness, right? And we're like trying to turn something over to him. But then we're like, but wait, wait, I can make it better. I can make it better. Let me fix mm-hmm. it first. And then I'll I'll ask for forgiveness again, right? It's the yeah. same kind of scenario. You know, <laughs> we never give the thing up. We just keep grabbing back at it trying to say no we can we can do this we can do this i haven't tried this yet i haven't tried that yet let me try this one more time well huh yep guilty all of us are not me (laughs) it was one of the it's one of the hardest things in my walk my whole life that i've you know because my dad ingrained in me to always you know you can always do better and so Mm -hmm. that was one of my hardest things when i would like you know when i was younger i was like i wasn't going to church because i knew i was sinning right and i knew i was sinning so i wouldn't go to church so i'm like god i'm i'm dirty i'm dirty i can't go before you right and it's like no that's when you go before him so that he Mm -hmm. can cleanse you yeah you can't cleanse yourself you'll never be good enough to go before him so you just have to go. 
Just go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, what's your game plan today, Sherry? My game plan is lots of resting. I'm in a lot of pain, back, knee, hip, hand from all of the standing and being enthusiastic for the kids and to get caught up on laundry because it's bad. <laughs> I didn't do any last week. And I'm sure that there's probably, you know, something dark and evil hiding under that pile. So I need to clean it up. How about you guys? Well, I think we're probably going to go roller skating at some point today. I'd like to. And I think that mm-hmm. maybe, maybe later on we're going to brave the the bugs of dusk and uh, take the doggy for a ride to the doggy park in the oh. later cooler part of the day. Or just Are you guys getting hit with a heat wave. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100 and something. Yeah. Or it might be still too hot at that point. We might just drive her to the park. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, we're supposed to hit 96, 96 or 97 today. And I got a couple of projects I got to finish up that should maybe take a couple hours. And that's about it. That'll be perfect because I'll go meet Penny during that time. And then we can meet up for skating. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Thanks for joining us, you guys. Hope that you have a wonderful weekend. We're all going to be attending Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches on Sunday. And we hope that you are, too. So we will catch up with you on Monday when it will be day 198 of the One Year Bible. And uh, so catch up with us then. It'll be around 10-ish in the morning Pacific time. And if you don't find us here, look for us in the sky. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.